share God's Word. And uh, we're in the second week of our series um, about the commands of Jesus. And uh, this evening we're going to be looking at laying up treasure in heaven and all that that means and the responsibility upon us uh, with uh, the wealth that we have, particularly here in the Western world. Before we get into that, uh, let's just pause to pray. Father God, I thank you for your presence here this evening. I thank you that we've been able to worship you in music and song and through the prayers that have been prayed. Lord, I thank you that you are here by power of Holy Spirit. And Lord, my desire is that as we move through this somewhat difficult subject for some people, that you will speak deep into their hearts and their minds, Lord, that what they hear will be directly from you. It may be a challenge, Lord, something that they have to change. It may be an exciting step for them to engage more with the world around them and to help those who are less fortunate than ourselves. Whatever the situation, Lord, I just pray that you help each and every one of us to be willing to step up and to do what you call us to do by power of Holy Spirit and we pray this in Jesus name guys I'm going to start off with another reading we're going to be reading from 1 Timothy and we'll be looking at verses uh, sorry 1 Timothy chapter 6 looking at verses 17 and 18 I will have it on the screens for you so 1 Timothy 6 17 and 18 as for the rich in this present age charge them not to be haughty not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. And these two verses are written to those who would be considered rich. They lay out very, very clearly that these guys are wealthy and it says in this present age so obviously that could be when it was written it could be talking about right now it could even be in an age in the future it is the present age it is any time and Paul instructs Timothy to remind those who are rich not to be haughty Interesting word, not something that we use uh, too often these days but what Paul is basically saying He's making a warning to those who are lifted up in their own minds, those who think a little bit more highly of themselves than perhaps they should. And these are the type of people who are proud of their positions, sorry, possessions or status and wealth that they have in this world. And sometimes that's speaking about social status as well. And you know what? When you speak to people generally, most of us would say we aren't actually like that. We would never be like that. But if you use phrases like, we have worked hard for what we have got. We have made some good financial decisions. We have received some great financial advice. We're going to have something bigger soon. This is just an interim home, an interim car, and whatever. And if there was no pride or ego involved, why do we need or feel the need to tell people that what we've got isn't really who we are? There's something bigger, better coming. Something of greater value. Something bigger, nicer or newer. And Paul is saying we shouldn't be like that. We should be generous 
But what does that mean in our day and age? How does that relate to our giving? Well, I'm going to go for the controversial one straight up. Let's talk about this. You know, when we think about being generous, I'm sure that this is what came to mind straight away for all of us. Amen? Yeah? I know. I know. It's great, isn't it? And the problem is, our primary focus, if our primary focus is on ourselves and striving after the latest or greatest whatever, are we honouring God in the midst of that? And are we honouring God in our tithes and in our offerings? Do we think about what we are actually giving to God? And it's a subject that people in the church don't like church leaders talking about. So I'll be crucified after this message, I suppose. But I went to one church, and the leadership in that particular church decided that they were only going to speak about tithing once a year. They were never going to mention finances or tithing any other time during the year. Sounds reasonable, doesn't it? But there were people in that congregation who said many, many times, all they ever do is talk about money and giving more to the church. It only happened once a year. And so I think that there was something that really pricked their conscience, but instead of actually responding to that, they wanted to push back against the leadership. It was just absolutely crazy that they would say, all they ever talk about is money and finance, because it simply was not true. So let's think about what tithing is and what it actually means for us today. And I've had many people tell me that they are tithing, which I find really, really exciting. Because when we talk about tithing, we're obviously referring to the Old Testament measure. And so the Old Testament instructions for tithing, you had your first tithe, which was actually 10% of your gross income. And that went to the Levites or the priests. Okay? And then you had your second tithe, which was 10% of your gross income for the, enum, for the year. And, and that went towards the feasts and things like that. And then there was your third tithe, which you gave every three years, which was 10% of your gross income. And that was called the poor tithe. And so if you're tithing according to the Old Testament, you're given 23.33 or a third of your gross annual income. And that's the bottom line. So if you say you're tithing, that's what you should be doing. Okay? And they also gave over and above that. And this is the basic Old Testament tithe. Well, I've got some news for you. I don't think we're responsible to do that. I don't think that's what we're called to do. And uh, I was very sad to see that Peter's here tonight. Is he still on his feet? Is he upright? You're okay, mate. We don't need to get a defibrillator. Mind you, if we're all doing this, Peter, his job would be a lot easier. But let's move on. The thing is, there is no specific number given for tithing for New Testament believers. This is actually something from the Old Testament. And I don't think we're responsible for paying that. But let's think about what the people of the Old Testament have and what we actually have these days. And the people of the Old Testament followed the law. And no one could deny that we have received a much greater portion of God's great revelation for man. Amen? You'd agree with that? I mean, we know about the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that he's Messiah. We have this incredible relationship with him. We have this grace and love that has been poured out upon us and poured out upon us in abundance. And when we think of the incredible price that was paid by Christ, should we have a greater or lesser 
debt of gratitude than those guys in the Old Testament. And for me, I, I think we should have greater gratitude. I think that we should just be so amazed that we are living in this time where we can have Holy Spirit indwelling us because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did upon the cross. The guys in the Old Testament, they only look forward to that. They knew Messiah was going to come. They knew that he was going to redeem the people. But they just had a glimpse of that. They didn't know who Jesus was going to be. They didn't know how all that was going to work out. And yet in their lives, they gave that 23 and one third percent of their gross income. And here we are, the recipients of his amazing grace. And I said it before, I'm going to say it again. Should we honor God more or less for all that he's done for us? And so God has been incredibly generous in his giving to us. He loved the world so much, he gave his one and only son. Could you imagine where we'd be if Jesus said, you know what, I'm giving 10%. That's it. Jesus gave everything. And if he is really my Lord, then all of me is his. All I own is his. All I am is his. All I am blessed with should be laid at his feet for his use and for his purpose. And you know what? If he asks for all of it, I should be willing to let it go. I should be willing to give it all up for him. And I'm called, I believe, I'm called to give faithfully to his church. We have a work that we are doing in this place. And I believe we should all be contributing to that work. So we can continue to serve God in this area. And that's our tithe. That's what we're called to give in a tithe. And there's offerings over and above that which are absolutely fantastic. They're things that we can really celebrate. And the question is, in the midst of all of this, because there's a few questions going on in people's minds, are we rich? Are we really rich? And when we heard Paul telling us that we shouldn't set our hope or value on the things of this world, it was because the world is an uncertain place. And when he said that, I was wondering, I'm wondering if he's thinking about the story of Lazarus that Jesus told and that we read earlier. And Lazarus was laid at the gate of this incredibly wealthy man. We know he was wealthy because he was wearing purple garments. Very, very rare in those days. And so this guy was incredibly wealthy. And Lazarus had nothing. Even the dogs came and licked his wounds. And all he longed for was the crumbs from the table, the things that would be discarded anyway. And he was given nothing. The rich man died. Just as Lazarus died. And Lazarus was taken to glory and comforted with the Lord. But the rich man, because of his attitude and love of wealth, well, he had no reward in death. And he was separated from God and he was cast out. And he experienced great suffering while Lazarus was being comforted. And the rich man suffered his fate because his focus was on his possessions, what he owned. And he failed to see that he was settling for something of no worth from an eternal perspective. The gift giver had been sacrificed for the sake and desire of the gift. Because God provides everything for everyone. Christian and non-Christian alike. 
It's in his hands to give to whoever he chooses. And Paul instructs those who are rich to be rich. The rich are called to be rich in good works. They're called to be generous, ready to share. And I believe this passage is addressed to the rich everywhere, including us. And that God is calling the rich today to be generous, to give very, very freely. So that those who have not will be blessed by those of us who have. But we don't see ourselves as rich, hey? I was only talking to my wife today and what we used to earn, and I said, we were rich. We were really rich. I said, and we're still really rich when you think about it. But when you think about what we have in this Western world, the buck literally stops with us. Now, you've heard me talk about um, the global rich list before. Well, I've actually gone and worked through that for this particular message tonight. And I can tell you, everyone here who is earning an income is in the top 6 to 8% in the world, uh, without doubt. So uh, here's a global rich list I prepared earlier. You can actually go online and do this. And uh, so what I've done for the figures here, uh, Australia's minimum wage at the moment is 34980 and 40 cents per annum, according to the Government Fair Work website yesterday. So what I decided to do, I thought, well, let's, let's be reasonable. We'll make this something easy to work with. So rather than go for that, I thought we'd take $10,000 off that, and then we'd give it a bit of a discount so that we have nice rounded figures. So we're working with 23000 per annum this evening. Okay, so well under the base Australian wage. So 23000 per annum places us and the top 8% most wealthiest people in the world. Does that shock you? $23,000 per annum. And you can go and do this. This isn't fudge figures. You can actually go online and do this. So we, if we earn $23,000 a year, are in the top 8% most wealthiest people in the world. And for that $23,000 per annum, we earn $11.98 per hour while a labourer in the fields of Zimbabwe will earn 82 cents per hour for the same period of time. The 23,000 that we earn would take 20 years for the average wage earner in Indonesia to pull together. And you know, we often, when we're working, think, well, I'm going to have a break. I'm going to have something to drink. So if you decided that you wanted to go for a nice, refreshing can of Coke uh, at some time throughout your day, you'd have to work for about five minutes to pay for that. Four minutes, 37 seconds, you can see there. But if you were a worker, a labourer in Indonesia, it would take you an hour and 33 minutes to actually earn enough money to buy a can of Coke. From a global perspective, we are filthy rich. Filthy rich. So if we're rich and we don't think we are, does that mean we're greedy? Our situation in Australia, the Australian Bureau of Statistics in 2011 released this information. In the last 50 years, we've seen real incomes in Australian households triple in the last 50 years. This has allowed us to fill our houses with things that were once considered luxuries. Our houses are bigger. Our garages are bigger to house the more than one car or motorbike that we actually possess. 
We have much more technology, and it's the latest technology. We can't do with something that's a year or two old. We have to have the latest. We are spending more on recreation, holidays, travel overseas, etc. And of course, in line with that, with this 20,000 per annum better off that we are, there's been an equal increase in giving to charity. Who believes that? Because it's simply not true. We've got this little graph. Whoops, sorry. We've got this little graph here, and uh, you may not be able to read the figures that are actually up there, but every, house, every Aussie household spends on average $98.02 per week on recreation, $52.48 per week on holidays, $12.89 per week on TV, $10.93 on pets, $7.51 on haircuts, and $5.86 on gambling. Hopefully no one here. How much do you think the average Australian gives to charity each and every year. Going on these figures, there's some pretty insignificant things there, things that we could certainly do away with. How much do you think the average Australian gives to charity each year? It's a figure of $221.52. That works out to being $4.26 per week. If you're a person struggling on the street, you're better off being a dog in Australia by a long shot than being in need, because we only give $4 towards those who are in need. The question is, are we going to accept the average Australian stats, or are we going to be different like we're called to be? What's the church like in Acts? No one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own. They held them loosely in their hands in which to share to others. They gave as God laid it upon their hearts to do so. There was not a needy person amongst them. Anyone who needed shelter, who needed food, who needed clothing, they were provided for. And the wealth was distributed to each as they had need. That's in Acts chapter 4. And the God we worship has made this world, you know, you, you hear people say, why has God allowed so much poverty in the world? Why is there so much hunger? Why is there so much starvation? Do you know they have proven many times that there is enough food in this world right at this moment to feed everyone. There is enough wealth to be distributed so that everyone has a fair share and has a portion and can survive. So there is enough to feed every person who is alive today on this world, in this world. And when we think about the story of Lazarus and how he is lying at the gate of this rich man, are we willing to acknowledge that there's people lying at our gate? And unfortunately, they're people who, just like the rich man, we largely ignore them. Technology has made our world so much smaller, has made us more aware of the plight of those who are less fortunate than ourselves. And when you look at the figures, it would also seem... It's promoted tunnel vision. Who is laying at our gate? The age that we live in is one where one-sixth of the population live in extreme poverty. And when we consider what the UN calls extreme poverty, it is this. 
A condition characterised by severe deprivation of basic human needs, including food, safe drinking water, sanitation facilities, health, shelter, education and information. And we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those starving children and things like that. And perhaps we've seen a little bit too much of that. And there are a number of us who sponsor children. That is absolutely incredible and awesome. The transformation in those kids' lives is fantastic. We've had people who sponsor missionaries. And if you've ever thought about doing that, can I encourage you to do that? There's nothing better than sponsoring a mission and see the incredible work that they're doing in countries way off, which I can't go and do that, but they've been called by God so I can help equip them just by being willing to give them a weekly amount and my wife and I have been doing that for a missionary couple now for close on five years we've got our sponsored children and things like that as well but we as a church have been involved in a number of targeted fundraisers which is absolutely fantastic there's particular charities that we've helped and that's all awesome as well and we as a people have been generous I'm so excited that we're involved in Bloom Asia. I remember Bloom years and years ago when it was first gearing up and the incredible stories coming out about these women who were saved from that lifestyle that for a lot of them, they were sold into that. They had no choice. And Bloom Asia is making this fantastic difference. So ladies, high tea, 13th May, 50 bucks, be there. You're going to help Bloom Asia. But can we do more? Not only do I believe that we have to be generous and share with all, I believe we should be looking for equality. And I believe our generosity can and should be reflected in the choices we make. There's this American businessman, his name's Alan Barnhart. And he was a wonderful example of what generos generosity really looks like. He's a Christian man. And when he and his brother took over their small family business, our Barnhart Crane and Rigging, they set an income limit for themselves which would allow them to live quite comfortably as a family, okay, and support their families in a modest lifestyle. And anything the company made over and above those figures, they decided to give to charity. And it was to be a charity that does ministry work, which proclaims the word of God. So these guys decided to do this, and it, they particularly help ministries in developing worlds. In the first year, they gave away $50,000. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? 50 grand. In their second year, they gave away $150,000. And by 2005, they were giving away $1 million a month to ministry and charities overseas. You know, we talk about you can't outgive God. These guys set their hearts on doing what God had called them to do. Do you think God is blessing their business? And they're still only drawing that moderate wage. They're not drawing anything greater than that. And these guys, you know what? You know what's really mind-blowing about this? They said, you know what? What's going to happen when we die? Could you imagine if all these funds were suddenly cut off if we were to be passed away? A million dollars a month, what would those charities do without those funds coming into all those organizations that we bless? So what they did, they placed 99% of their company, 99%, the ownership of their company, which is now valued at $250 million dollars. They place 99% of it in a trust so that when they die, the funds continue to go to the missionaries. Is that absolutely fantastic? And so Alan's made an incredible contribution. But what can we do in the here and now? What, what's it mean for us? This is all pie-in-the-sky stuff for most of us. When we think about 1 Corinthians 9, 7 and 10, 
God clearly states that a worker is entitled to reasonable pay for what he or she does. And not only that, if he's separating the grain, he should have some for himself and his family. And you know what? The goods that we purchase each and every day, that's not the case for a number of the people who produce those. And I know we don't think about the stuff we buy off the shelf, do we? You saw when we looked at the global rich list, some of the comparison of the wages for the workers in those countries where we get a lot of our stuff from. So what's that mean in relation to our purchases? Who's ever owned a Nike product? I have. Great products. So in 2012, much of Nike's product was made in Indonesia. And for those working where the factories are located to cover their basic cost of living, a single person would have to earn three and a half million rupees, or 390 US a month. And that's the basic cost of living. We are talking about housing, food, water, medical expenses, and transport. So a family of four would have to earn four and a half million rupees a month, or 500 US per month. And the highest paid operational worker, this is the highest paid operational worker in Nike at that time was earning 1,333,000 rupees or 150 US per month. And it's not isolated to Nike. Everything that is brought in from overseas has the potential to undermine the basic needs of those who are working to make those goods. And Baptist World Aid, I know it gets a lot of bad press, but seriously, we are in an incredible denomination that does so much across the world. We really, really are. You should dig deeper into the Baptist denomination and see what we're up to because some of the stuff is incredible. And they've got these awesome campaigns that help. Who's heard of Beyond the Barcode? Yeah, okay, so Beyond the Barcode is something that um, Baptist World Aid has put together and it's a guide for the ethical purchase of electrical goods. So anytime you're looking at purchasing something electrical at home, if you go to Beyond the Barcode, uh, they will actually be able to provide you information. But they also do uh, this ethical fashion guide. I've got this on my phone, a PDF. Um, I'm more than happy to allow you to have a look at that or afford it to you so you can have a look. They have gone through 330 companies in Australia that sell fashion or clothing and rated them according to where they source their materials from. And there's some incredibly eye-opening things when you look at that. Believe it or not, Cotton Odd is one of the best. They, they are right up there, which when you consider how cheap a lot of Cotton On products are, you'd think it'd be the other way around. But they are very, very ethical in their sourcing of products. So 330 companies in here. And these guys, they've got so much clout now. When this report was done uh, back in 2015, Unico was one of the worst companies. They're now up close to the top again. So again, if you want to have a look at this and look through that, I'm more than happy to allow you to have a look, um, or I will uh, forward it to you. Actually, I'll give you my phone and you can forward it to yourself. I won't know how to do that properly. But the thing is, that's for our fashion uh, in Australia. So there's a number of organisations that are in there, our targets in there, so a lot of the mainstream ones that we go to, and they do actually rate those. And uh, it, it's really worth having a look. But you all know I'm a coffee lover, hey? Well, OK, I'm a coffee snob. Let's just go there. OK, but there's cu troubles with coffee as well. And, and the question is, you know, where did your coffee come from this morning? 
And uh, my favourite coffee is Merlot, and I've actually had uh, discussions with Merlot, and I said, you know, like, I, I really want to make sure that um, when I purchase coffee, that I'm purchasing coffee that uh, is ethically sourced, that those who actually are producing this are getting paid well for it. And Merlot at the time only had one of their coffees that was actually Rainforest Alliance, and so that's the only coffee I purchase from Merlot now, and uh, I also purchase from another number of other places that do have Rainforest Alliance coffee. But um, the sad thing for me, and those of you who love coffee, this was the company that was the first total fair trade outlet. I mean, is it even coffee? I mean, seriously, seriously. Ah. 100% fair trade. So guys, if you buy Starbucks, I will try not to cringe when I see you drinking it because it is good. It is good. They're, they're doing a very good thing. But there's this region in Bolivia where the coffee farmers committed to a fair trade agreement. Now, in all these things, obviously there's times when it doesn't work out real flash, okay? But generally speaking, fair trade's a very, very good thing. So these guys in Bolivia committed to a fair trade agreement. They weren't able to earn in excess of 1,790 per annum for their coffee. Man alive, when you're paying five bucks down the road, could you imagine how much they're being ripped off? So 1,790 per annum for their coffee. That's what they needed for basic costs of living and they couldn't earn it. They weren't making enough money. So they went hungry, their children didn't go to school, and when they committed to the fair trade system, the price of coffee in their area actually dropped. And so if they hadn't committed to the fair trade agreement, they would have been much worse off. And so the fair trade guarantees a minimum price for their coffee. And the fair trade system uh, has those farmers selling to them 80% of their coffee. They can sell the other 20% wherever they want, but 80% has to be sold to the fair trade. So 80% of their harvest goes to fair trade. And the minimum price that fair trade would pay them was $3,620. $3,620. It's not double what they had, but it's pretty close. And so because of the drop in the price of coffee, because of fair trade, they were getting paid four times what the local market was at that time. Four times. And as a result, their kids went to school, they had some basic needs met, well, they had all their basic needs met, and they actually had some savings as well. First time in their lives. Never had anything like that. So, yeah, don't buy Starbucks. There's plenty of other places that got fair trade coffee now, but if you're unsure, buy Starbucks. That's great. But think about these things. Think about these things. You know, you can make a difference every day at the checkout. If you, if you drink that stuff that people call instant coffee, it tastes a bit like dirt and it's gritty just like dirt. Yeah, yeah, people call it coffee, I don't know why. Just look for these tags on them, okay? So uh, even on your tea, this is something you can do this week actually. Just look for these symbols. Fair Trade Foundation, uh, Fair Trade, uh, Rainforest Alliance certified, UTZ certified. These guys all guarantee a minimum amount for those who harvest tea and coffee in the world. And uh, I'd just like to encourage you to do that. So this week, can I ask you to just look at your tea and coffee and see if you can switch to something like that? It's a very small thing. Might cost you a few extra cents at the till. And I'm talking cents, I'm not talking dollars. You'll find there's a lot of places that are Rainforest Alliance. You might find all your tea at home is because there's more and more pressure being placed on them to do it. And uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Can I encourage you too to look up the Ethical Fashion Guide this week? 
You can do it online, you can download the PDF for free, or as I say, if you want to come and get it off me, you can forward it to your own phone and you'll have it on your phone. And just think about the places where you shop and look for those outlets that are rated highly. We talk about giving to charity and things like that, and um, it'd be great if we could make a commitment to give to a charity on a regular basis. I decided to contact one of the local charities that I've supported historically and uh, just say, see how they're going. The charity's called the Hope Foundation. It's not too far up the road. I've got some heads nodding here. Yeah, they're in desperate need of some freezer meals at the moment. Wouldn't it be great if, you know, a heap of us got together, you know, half a dozen in each other's houses and things like that, and did half a dozen or a dozen meals that could go in a freezer for the Hope Foundation. The Hope Foundation deal and work with women in prostitution or those who are addicted to drugs here in Australia, just up the road at Mount Cravat. They're doing an incredible work. They are changing lives, and they'd love you to cook some meals for them just to throw in the freezer. And uh, I know Elena and I are committing to do that, and it'd just be awesome to be able to bless those people in that way. Uh, if you don't want to do that, and you do love coffee and stuff like that, if you were to head up to the cafe at the Mount Cravat Lookout, have you been up there? Okay, there's a coffee shop up there now. Can you tell me what the coffee shop's called? Love Well Project. Okay, that's connected to the women as well. And so the funds, the, the money that they make at that cafe goes straight back into the Hope Foundation in helping those women. They're just a couple of things that we can do to make a difference in our local community. And guys, I'm just going to end it there. I know it's not my normal type of message, but uh, I really felt it was important to just cover some basics about where we are. The amount of money that we have, which honestly, we really do take for granted that um, we're not that rich. But when you think about what the world has and what we have, it tells a different story. And we can make a difference in our communities. There's a number of other organisations that um, I'd love to support. It's possibly going to be down the track a little bit, but there's some people doing some incredible work here in our country that uh, would love our support and things like that. So guys, I'm going to pray, then I'm going to hand back to the worship team, and um, I'm sure they're going to have an awesome song for us to finish this service with. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your presence here tonight. I thank you that you made available to me all that information, Lord. It's just incredible when you start digging about what you can find. And Lord, I pray that you will challenge us. I know there's people here who have been hit in the heart. And Lord, I pray that you'll allow them to have ideas about how they can help people in our communities around us here in Australia and further afield in the world, Lord. We don't want to be people who are selfish. We don't want to be people who are seen as greedy. And Lord, when we stand before you, I want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not just because of the way I think I should be living, but because of the generosity with what you've blessed me and Elena and our family with, Lord. We are abundantly blessed and we acknowledge that. And Lord, I just pray that you help us as a people of God in the coming days, weeks, months and years to be a people of God who are seen as being incredibly generous to those around us. Father, if you were to take all of us tonight, would we be missed? Because, Lord, I really want us to be missed. I want people to say, you know what, we're at a loss because that church is gone. Father, we rest in you, and I trust by the power of Holy Spirit, you'll be moving people. In Jesus' name, amen.